This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh. <laughs> it would be a wolf's fun, eh? I'm no fool. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. Hi everybody, welcome to Wolves Fancast. This is the Filmcast. It's been a long time coming since we've had a Filmcast episode, but in light of the European uh, international break, or world international break, uh, we thought we would um, give the people what they want and talk about one Shakespearean classic uh, in the football factory. Welcome gentlemen, how are we this evening? Great. Excellent. It's still uh, two in the afternoon here, so I've got a while. Before oh, is it? <laughs> what an absolute treat to have to watch this <laughs> film <laughs> um, and uh, review it with us today. Well, without further ado, um, my cage fighting cohort, Stu, is with us, and we've got Nate from Soccer Neophytes here to uh, mull over um, the football factory and kind of give it the film cast treatment. What we want to find out today is how it stacks up in comparison to some of the other footballing great films. I say great with a pinch of salt because they're all a bit terrible. Um, uh, but we're here to... <laughs> what, you disagree, Stu? Well, they're not all terrible, are they? I mean, we've got a few, the Damn United and a shot at glory, which has actually got Oscar winners in, in it. I mean, it has Alan, Oscar winners in it. Alan McCoyst outacted those Oscar winners, to be fair. Um, available on YouTube, free. That is a surprisingly decent film. We've done one of that. It's in the it's in the archives. Go and listen to that when you've watched this, of course. Um, yeah, they're not all bad. Neither maybe is this. Mm, well, we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll get into the weeds on that one. Um, for those that haven't watched it yet and are maybe listening to this um, in retrospect, is that the right word? Um, listen to this post of recording. It is available on Amazon Prime in the UK. Um, so you can watch it on there should you um, have that service or... I'm sure there are other nefarious means in which you can find this um, this classic. But, um, gentlemen, just to break the ice, just to ease us into this um, this film chat today, uh, Danny Dyer thinks he's a bit of a hard man in this film, but I want to know, what is your actual favourite hard man in film, Nate? Immediately, I thought of uh, Denzel in Training Day. Mm. Mm. It's just, to me, like... and. I, I was reflecting on it a little bit because he's played some stronger characters since then, but I think I would have to look back at his filmography, but that might be the first time he played a stronger character like that. And I think that's probably why it stands out. It was so out of character for other mm -hmm. uh, roles he'd played. It's still excellent. You know, the shaved head. I mean, everything about him in that film is, is so hard. So Denzel, that's the first, first one that came to my mind. Excellent. Stu, in your own head, you've been likened to Vin Diesel many times. Is um, is Vin Diesel your favourite hard man who, or is there somebody else? No, he's not. I mean, I wasn't expecting Denzel Washington be, to be mentioned tonight in, at all, to be honest. But um, it used to be an old Seagal, of course, but he's a bit... He's got his views and he's, he's gone a bit strange, eh? So I think he's... In terms of enjoyment and film hard man films that 
I would still go and see. It's going to be the Stafe every time. Yeah, he is. I think, and we've spoke about this on our other podcast, you know, there's a risk of him becoming a bit of a Bruce Willis in a few years' time. Mm-hmm. Once, you know, if the hype dies down and he'll start pumping out films purely, you know, maybe four, five, six, seven, eight a year. Um, there is a fine line between film superstar and bargain bin in a co op DVD territory, isn't it, really? But he hasn't gone there yet. <laughs> so, no, he hasn't gone there yet. Um, we are here, though, um, to review the Football Factory. Immediately, we've had some comments flooding in about <laughs> the Football Factory. Um, <laughs> Richard Hobbs just finished watching Football Factory, legitimately annoyed and wound up from how crap it was. Um, I don't think this will be an unpopular opinion. Um, it was likened by a close friend of mine today as being the men's version of Legally Blonde, <laughs> which, I, which I thought was quite apt to be honest i think that was like a pretty a pretty good way of talking about it um i have to tell you guys i have to tell you this is the first football movie i think i've watched i didn't watch bend it like beckham (laughs) i was a little too old for it so i had i had no idea what the expectations should be and i'm glad to hear that richard and others feel it was uh not good uh, like yeah, so I will spare all of my thoughts for later. But it it's it's good to know that this isn't like meant to be. Uh, the oh, oh, this isn't in the national archives. This isn't something that you know they'll put in a time capsule or for aliens or anything like that. Um, you know, as a cultural um, embodiment of what we are in this country. Stu might disagree, but <laughs> I don't think I don't think it will be. Um, so before we get into the weeds of the film itself, just going to talk about what we're going to look for in um, the uh, film itself. So the five pillars of film cast are the cultural impact of the film. How far and wide is its is its impact on and its in its range? The footballing authenticity, the footballing stars, if any, uh, the plot of the film itself and how it holds up and the overall enjoyment that you had watching the film. Um, I'd say to anybody that's watching this live, leave a comment when we're going through the sections, I'll get them read out and we can kind of, uh, we can go through the weeks together and maybe put together an audience score as well. Um, So the Football Factory itself, before we go into that, I'd like to know, Stu, you're home and away pretty much all the time. Football hooganism has been rife throughout the years in this country. Have you had any experiences of it on your travels, not necessarily participating, but seeing, you know, football hooliganism in its in its uh, rise and fall kind of through the decades? I mean, to the extent of this film, considering I've been going to football, what, 28 years, something like that, not once have I seen anything <laughs> like this. Because it's all kind of, it's off. It's not around where normal, well, so yeah. normal, our people would go. Um, let's put it that way. I mean, it's their walk of life. They want to do what they want to do. Um, so the stuff with uh, that Nick Watford guy, the Watford fan and whatever happened there, that was off the beaten path, Warwick. And mm-hmm. all them Norwich fans that were apparently attacked in the gardens around Molyneux that don't exist, <laughs> um, of course. Um, but now, I mean, other than the, like a few things like coins thrown at me and things like that at Birmingham and, mm-hmm. and couches being bricked at Man City in, in Moss Side, you never really, I've never really had anything like that at all. But again, yeah. 
because I don't walk in them circles, it's never been a problem for me. Yeah, same. I mean, Blues away was the one, um, the most recent time, I think, when John Daddy Bod Barson scored the winner, I think. I mean, walking through Digbeth or walking back into the city centre. And apart from like things being thrown, it's about the closest it's got to anything. I remember having to walk because of the way I'd come into town when we had Blues in the cup, nothing to walk with, everyone shouting Zulu, Zulus and all that kind of stuff. Um, but apart from that, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if in this day and age it's just rife as perhaps it would have been in the, you know, 80s, 90s and the early 2000s. Um, we're not here to glamorise football violence in any way, but we are, rightly or wrongly, this film is pretty much based on, <laughs> on, on it anyway. Um, Nate, one, one question I've got for you. Um, obviously, the MLS is so vast in terms of uh, geographically. Is football violence a thing? Is, is football hooliganism a thing in the States because of... You know, the vastness of doubt away fans really even exist. How tribalistic are, the, you know, the fans for the teams over there? I think tribalism, you know, kind of at its core requires some sense of history, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and sure. MLS and even American sports for that matter don't have the history that you have there, particularly in England with soccer you know, and then, and then you have to add the, the location, right. The proximity mm -hmm. and, and that mattering. Like I, I didn't know Millwall was in East London. So I had to look that up last <laughs> night, right. To see like, Oh, that's why there's some sort of rivalry between Millwall and Chelsea. And so, um, so I think the proximity, we don't have a lot of that. Then there's, like no history, you know, like the distance from Portland to Seattle. So Timbers and Sounders, which is one of the bigger MLS rivalries. I think Stu and I were talking about that is like the longest away day that Wolves would have. Right. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like from here to Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so I think, and that's like one of the closest two teams, yeah. you know, not, that not totally true. You have some of the East coast teams, but at least from those type of rivalries, I think baseball, the, the closest we would have is, I think, um, a couple rivalries. San Francisco Giants and Los Angeles Dodgers have a longstanding rivalry that dates back to their time in uh, the state of New York or the city of New York City. And so that's the closest I've seen at a Los Angeles Dodgers game uh, as a Giants fan. Mm -hmm. There were fights breaking out in the stands. and. Okay. Like full, like fist, like full on fist fights, like four to five during the course of the of the match, and or the game, and then um, the occasional like beating, like and in that actually the game I was at particularly there was a beating that led to a death. So wow, okay, it does, oh, it, does it does happen, but it's it's very it's very Super rare, rare. and yeah. I mean, well, I, was... I happen to have gone to do so. I was just going to say before, I mean, we've, we have got examples of um, how hardcore the MLS can be, and we'll put it up in a minute, but though I was listening to a podcast yesterday of, um, it was uh, talking about the um, the NHL, and you think, oh, ice hockey, this is going to be hardcore. And he's saying that when the um, the Islanders, when they were three up or whatever, they play this song, and it's to the tune of... <laughs> Are you happy and you know it? <laughs> and it's if you think the Rangers suck, clap your hands. And that's not very intimidating, is it? So it's 
I mean, it might be to them. I mean, it might be as as hardcore as it gets. But I think the American version of David Evans on this clip is um, shows how terrifying the MLS can be. Well, I, I have some shocking footage now. So if you've got kids in the room and you're watching this, I'll give you a moment to eject them because I've got some some terrible shocking footage from the MLS showing some horrendous scenes of um, of hooliganism. I'll, I'll show you now. Fight and win! <laughs> I've seen it so many times, and it just is no. <laughs> the thing so is, if you um, if you thought that um, if you thought that Mr. Miami was hated now, doing all on the front row um, on an away here, here in the U.S., so the USL, we don't need to get into the 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 non pyramid of American soccer, but USL, which is kind of the second tier below mls but has no there's no relegation promotion uh that's the team we have here in phoenix the phoenix rising uh drug buzz team uh he's partial owner and played here for a couple seasons um he they they have a great like supporter group the banditos so if you're looking for a different like experience just look up some phoenix rising banditos and you'll see a great like supporter group but Oh man, that video is so. <laughs> I know it is, it is, and it's a shame. I know I, I completely agree. There, there are going to be some great supporter groups out there, but we control the narrative here, so we're going to keep pumping <laughs> that up. Um, so let's get into the weeds of um, Football Factory. It was uh, 2004. It was released. I'm going to give you a, a few stats from 2004. Some of the things that happened to so 2004 in a quick review. Any guesses on what topped the box office uh, in 2004? Off the top of your heads. Avatar, or is that later? No, nope, it was a Return sequel. Of the, Return of the King, it's got to be. Incorrect. Shrek 2, oh, apparently. Before. Shrek 2. Shrek 2. Um, the top-selling album of 2004, at least in the States, would have been Confessions by Usher. Not one that's on my rotation, I must admit. Um, we had the Greek Summer Olympics uh, in Athens. Um, closer to home for you, Nate, the Boston Red Sox win their first World Series um since oh, i think it was like 1918 i think it was yeah. um speaking of which in american sport this was a year when janet jackson's uh boob fell out at the super bowl um <laughs> which obviously broke the internet before kim did and um <laughs> to uh, not, kim kardashian that is not our kim. um 
And um, closer to home, Wolves were relegated from their first into the Premier League with Lescott and Murray suffering pretty horrendous injuries um, for the majority of the season. Um, so Football Factory itself then, um, very, very, very briefly um, in terms of a plot, um, is directed by Nick Love, who was probably best known for uh, this film and the other Danny Dyer epic, The Business film, I probably prefer over this, to be honest. Um, Danny Dyer um, of EastEnders fame now um, and Tama Hassan are probably the main stars. I think you'd probably agree in this. Okay. Um, I hadn't heard of any of these guys, so... No, <laughs> I, like... I, I, I can believe that. Um, interestingly, though, a uh, little fact that while well, I was doing a bit of research for this, Rockstar Games, obviously best known for Grand Theft Auto, etc., are credited as executive producers. Their first kind of foray into the film world. And the plot of the film, essentially, is the rise and fall of a Chelsea footballing firm. We go through it through Danny Dyer's eyes as they build up to a quarterfinal clash, I think it is, with Millwall and, and, a, and a big rook-up. But as the film goes on, it becomes almost a supernatural <laughs> like thriller with overarching storylines about World War veterans and people's struggles with their masculinity, to put it simply. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, let's get into it then. So one of the first pillars that we want to discuss today and get your opinions on um, would be around its footballing, sorry, its cultural impact. So now, as you mentioned, I'm guessing, is this the first time you've heard of this film before having to watch it and its stars? Yeah, I had never heard of it. I couldn't find it, actually. Um, I had to get it by less than uh, legal means mm -hmm. uh, to even see it. I checked every streaming service, nothing. There's no way to see it here in, in the States. So from a cultural impact point of view, then I'm guessing this has got to be a got to be a hard zero for myself in that it's had pretty much zero impact for you over in your part of the world. Yeah. I mean, honestly, even like, like I said, football movies just aren't that popular here. And other than, yeah, a handful, there's just no, there's no context for it or probably no appetite for it either. So yeah, there's zero, <laughs> zero cultural impact here of this movie, nor should there be. Not should they well, um, one of our um, friends of the show, Ash Dolan, he's, he's put Football Factory absolutely suffers from Green Street existing and being a much better film. Have you seen? Have you? I'm taking you haven't seen Green Street, um, Nate. I haven't, it but has, that's the one I know. That's the one I know of. Yeah, and I think that like is probably a better known film internationally, maybe because of it having um, Elijah Wood in it. Um, and it being um, an American coming over and in infiltrating the firm kind of thing. Um, mm. Stu, it's... from your point of view, what's what's your kind of opinion as, as a cultural impact, this film? I think out of all the films that we've done, this is probably the biggest. <laughs> I think yeah. every, everyone knows this film. Every, everyone knows of the football yeah, factory. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, here. Every, I mean, you go to, even now, nearly 20 years later, you, if I go as soon as I put this in the, the group chat when you said I oh, will do a film cast, and I said, Okay, Football Factory, 
you had Luke and Dan putting things in in there, quoting <laughs> certain quotes yeah. from this film straight away, like straight away. And it's not the most quotable film that you could do before nine o'clock on a on a schedule, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Without that's the point. Being being the righteous Christian man that you are, Nate, how did you get on with the old C bombs constant um, <laughs> throughout the whole film? I, I mean, I'm I'm more or less like accustomed to it now and when you're watching <laughs> something cultural like that you just understand like yeah that's the that's the language of of the film so it didn't bother me actually it was one of the few words i actually understood so <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say yeah actually from from like i don't think there's a lot of cockney rhyming slang in there but there's enough and there's there's enough of just general like slang and stuff that it must be difficult for those who um, don't understand it um, I had a slang dictionary open the whole time, yes. like look, looking stuff up, which was which was helpful. Um, but sometimes it's I didn't even understand what they said, so I'd search for something like I don't. I I likened it to Macbeth. Like I understood yeah. almost the same amount. There's the poster. As watching Macbeth. Exactly, likened to Macbeth. It's funny because there's a scene in it in the film um, when they go to Liverpool the way, and they just have. The north, the north. <laughs> and it's just it's just like a lay by with loads of fly tipping, and it's just a load of like mattresses and film, um, and like trolleys and rubbish. And it's basically that the north is this decrepit decay of, um, and it wasn't even like it was, it was Liverpool, which is like a wonderful city as well. It wasn't like it was like Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> So, Stu, you mentioned obviously you think that this is the the most well known, probably footballing film culturally. Where you know we had um, we had the real football factories after this, and this pretty much launched Danny Dyer's career. Yeah, um, you would say. Where does it line for you in terms of its cultural impact? I think because it, I think you got to probably, probably think about Tam Hassan as well. I I can't remember him being in anything else before this. But mm-hmm. then he was on like Soccer AM like three times a year, and just yeah, t- yeah. just turning up. I mean, those were the ones he just turned up because he was there. He, he was in the area. He just went on the show, and it launched so many people. And Nick Love, not so much when you look at what happened with Guy Ritchie, and you think, well, he would have been well, what he would have been a similar kind of thing with a similar kind of genre, I suppose. But yeah, like I said, every because so many people know this film, so many people. In our kind of, I think we've got to say this is what we, we, we suffer with all the time that with football people know the football factory. Well, if you say football factory to non like normal people, like say, I don't know, say my mother in law, she'd probably think, oh, the hooligan film. Mm-hmm. She'd know of it, but not what exactly what it is. With Green Street, I don't think that is as much of a, as much of a, a product of its more of a product of its time, but people who know films know Green Street more than this. I wouldn't say it's the other way around. So I think this is this mm. has got to be a five out of five for this because it's just in our in our football bubble, this is way at the top. Easily. It is. It is. I think it's one of those go to films for a casual I don't mean football casuals. <laughs> you know, if you if you want an easy footballing watch, and I know people are getting their head kicked in and everything else, it's not easy in that sense to watch. But you know, it doesn't require a massive amount of brain cells to just sit down and enjoy this film. You can you can take your brain off at the door, 
when you watch it. But you are right in terms of its its reach. Everybody in this country at least knows Football Factory um, and has probably quoted it in some capacity. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, I'll, I'll probably give it like a four out of five from me for its cultural impact um, in that I think outside of the footballing world, if you know it, you think it's a you, you know you think it's just a football violence film. It tries to be more than a fo- uh, football violence film, not very well. But it, it, <laughs> God, we love we love a trier, don't we? Um, so, <laughs> so there we go. So we've got a zero, we've got a five, and a four. So we're off to a middling start for um, for uh, the football factory. Moving on then to um, its footballing authenticity. Um, obviously, there is no football. In this <laughs> film, I don't think a ball is kicked at any point. There's the eight, um, there's like the eight year old match, right? Or the kid, the youth. There's oh, the youth that's right. Match between Chelsea right. and Mil- the Millwall youth under tens or whatever they are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a bit of an audience reaction. So, Richard um, Hobbs definitely had a big cultural impact in for football casuals. So we've got an audience score of mm-hmm. four so far. If anybody else wants to give their scores, then please do, and we can collate them at the end. Um, so we've got the kids' football. Stu, have you ever been involved in any kind of grassroots football? I know, obviously, Luke from our um, from from the fancast is very much involved in kind of grassroots football. Um, grassroots football. Um, do you think that football violence makes its way onto the um, the 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 pictures of Hackney Marsh or King George's oh. playing field closer to home? Absolutely, of course it does. I mean, you got the the equivalent of soccer moms, which is. <laughs> Not the same here at all. It's taken way too seriously, and you always get dickhead parents who will square up with each other. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that whole thing where they they branded it as the the youth team with like shoot goals from Argos in a field, <laughs> and we're just two two random blokes either side of the pitch. That was nonsense. It's, I mean, it's it's getting no authenticity for that at all because it just wouldn't happen like that. And the only football that there was was in the bar. When they when they, they pick up the two birds, and with Beckham in the background, but that was actually match footage, so it's it's stretching it a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's. Um, I think I, uh, the only authenticity, and this is more. Well, I, I won't use this because I've I've got to try and get through footballing stars in some capacity, so I won't use this example for that. But I mean, we get what I assume is re- real life football hooliganism stock footage um yeah. throughout throughout the film um to kind of uh give us a bit of context we go to a couple of grounds whether they're actually the grounds at the time i'm not sure obviously they're at the uh white heart lane they go to millwall as well uh, i don't think there's any scenes at chelsea um in the film if i recall correctly um but in terms of footballing authenticity if we look at it from a um if we look at it from their experience, I mean, the only thing that was getting passed around on the coach to Brighton away, Stu, were hardball sweets. So it wasn't anything um, quite as nefarious as that on the Hatherton. No. Um, but um, where does it where does it lie for you in terms of its of its authenticity? Then, in terms of like the match day experience as they um, experienced it. I mean, from their from their point of view, I mean, for people like that, I mean, like, like tatters and stuff like that. I mean. For disclosure, my my cousin was one of these. He was like a hooligan <laughs> years ago, um, so I mean, he obviously loves this film. But he said it; they didn't. They got it as close as you can possibly get it. 
with a lot of things. Mm, okay. Um, and we've all seen cow kids, especially this season. Um, from that point of view, I, I don't think it was far off, you know, because um, I've seen like couches who do the drinking and the stuff and, and the Charlie on the way down and whatever. We all know who they are. Um, it's not us, but we know who they are. And it seems pretty, That's that stuff seemed pretty spot on. Mm. I don't think they took many yeah. liberties, really. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, there's very little to go on in terms of actual football. Um, the, the There is a legitimate, you know, cup draw. Um, <laughs> uh, Richard uh, has commented saying, um, the FA Cup, third round, um, which happens in January, they're all acting like it's a summer's day, which is a fair point. Um, <laughs> Nate, from your point of view and football in authenticity, was this... Does this shock you in any capacity that these kind of things go on in the beautiful game in this country? Um, where, how, how realistic do you think this could possibly be in, in relation to you know actual real life? Yeah, I mean, we only know what we what we hear about, you know, and for, especially from this kind of this era of English English football. So it looked about as real. I mean, other than the again spoiler alert like poor filmmaking like the like the, the actual <laughs> like the actual like fighting and violence seemed about as real as i guess it could be so um you know i was kind of thinking of it more football adjacent when i was giving like mm-hmm. an authentic- yeah. authenticity yeah. score because certainly the movie is not about football it's about the the culture around it and this particular culture around it so so it seemed rather authentic from from that perspective, but again, with nothing nothing to compare it to. Like that's so what, far. What would you score out of five? Be for both. I suppose a four without like being generous, <laughs> being generous, you know, and Incredibly not generous, knowing but yeah. what I'm scoring it against. Stu, I mean, they did have Danny Kelly and Danny Baker in voiceover form only on on. Radio London, BBC London as well. That's how long ago it was. And they did have Adidas popper tracksuit buttons, which was good. Um, they did have, I've got a few down there. The, the, um, the filming locations of that bridge at Millwall, uh, be, uh, the couch has been bricked under that bridge. I've been there before. Um, White Hart Lane was the old White Hart Lane. So I mean, location wise, was spot on. Um, but yeah, in, in lieu of actual stars, it is, but yeah, like, I think football adjacent is probably the right word. I think authenticity of what they were going for. I think it was pretty decent. I, yeah, I think I'll go with probably go with a four as well. You know, just yeah, just, just I'm, because I'm, of the great, I'm, they nailed it. I think I'm going to give it a three only because I can't allow this film to get anywhere near the Damage United. <laughs> um, because no, I, that would there's more scores. That, well, there is, there is, um, and we'll talk about one now before we go to um, we go to a quick break to just uh, grab a drink. Um, footballing stars, there are none. <laughs> unless there are, unless someone is as an extra or something like that. I don't recall there being any form of footballing star in this film, um, in any capacity. Like you said, Danny Kelly is is in there. Danny Baker. Um, that is about as good as it gets for this film. So it would it would have to be a big fat zero from me, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Which is a shame. You are right, Stu. There are, you know, locations and, and stuff are good. Um, I suppose it gives it that air of the authenticity side of things, as we mentioned. But unless um, you two think any differently, I think it's got to be a big fat zero from me. 
Yeah, you can't you can't just go on just video footage on a on a telly as being your only thing. So no, no stars. Beckham excluded. <laughs> True. Nate, same for you. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Right then, it seems like a good time then before we get into the final couple of um, categories um, to have a quick break. Um, just a reminder, this episode is um, on the 90 Minute Network and um, we are sponsored um, very kindly um, by the sports shop in um, King's Winford. Um, so let's have a little break and then we'll come back and discuss the film's plot and your overall enjoyment of the film. Back shortly. Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some question or opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. They are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyetimedia.com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references and maybe even a bit of football talk right then thank you very much rich from beyond the ether um so going into then the final couple of um categories then where maybe or maybe not um this film may score really well or really terribly um so the film plot for, for me this film it could have been all an out and out adrenaline junkie Balls to the wall, violent film. It could have been, and I don't think anybody would have had any complaints. But it, for some reason, goes for this overarching plots of different characters and different things. It touches on race. It touches on, like, uh, not quite sexuality, but it touches on masculinity. It touches on, on those kind of things. And we end up with this hodgepodge, group of characters where i think we're supposed to care about their welfare but it's just executed absolutely terribly <laughs> really badly um there's an element of you know throughout the whole um film danny dyer's character is kind of lamenting his his life he's talked down by an ex-firm member and he's kind of thinking is this for him we don't know if he wants to be in this world anymore um, and then ultimately, once he gets his head kicked in and the and the ghost boy um, premonition comes through, he then goes, ah, fuck it. <laughs> I'm back in the game. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's absolutely bizarre. Like, I don't know what they were thinking when they wrote this the script for this film, because I don't know. I don't think it knows what it wants to be. Um, I think it wants to be all out action and adrenaline and balls to the wall and nuts and zoo magazine and you know, page three and everything else. But then at the same time, I think it then wants to be soft and sensitive. Um, Stu, what are your thoughts on the plot? Like, how how did you, you know, this must must have not been the first time you've seen it. How did the plot resonate with you on this on this viewing? I mean, I haven't seen it for a long, long time. And I, I was sitting there thinking, this is actually deeper than it, I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> I and mean, when you the, the two old guys, I and mean, the one, I mean, the one dying in his chair, I mean, emigrating to Australia and all that kind of stuff, because they've had enough of England. I mean, the the racist cabbie. I thought, yeah, when it when it kept cutting back to him, and he was getting more <laughs> worse and worse every time. And you think, yeah, this is very much a product of its time, and this probably wouldn't even be allowed to come out now. Um, but yeah, people were like that here. 
cabbies especially. Um, yeah, it's a bit like um, it's a in a weird way, not in a quality way, of course. In a weird way, it's a bit like Train Spotting, where it doesn't mm-hmm. really have a plot. It's just more of a kind of snapshot of their lives. Mm-hmm. Nothing really happens. It's just like this is what who they are, and the, the, the bit I. The bit I identified with this time round, um, when it, the uh, when one of them goes off with that posh girl, and he's mm. he's talking to her, and he said, yeah, "We got we got Millwall." Said, oh, it's only one game. You can miss one game. No, it's Millwall, and I've, I've had that exact same conversation <laughs> multiple times. Um, and no, it's it's not just one game. Every game is important in its own way. Um, so it doesn't matter. But it's how he, he then turned it round and and. Like told the uh, the pompousness of what was actually happening to them and mm-hmm. all that stuff in the pub. I thought, yeah, fair play to you, but it doesn't make it a good plot because <laughs> it's the reason one. There's a good, there's a good moments and there's a good the character. I mean, all of them these hard blokes working in florists <laughs> is a bit <laughs> odd. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've heard of money laundering in other capacities like Breaking Bad and Ozark, but I don't think any of them are in a florist or. You know, actually know the names of the flowers they're trying to sell at the same time, and getting angry yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Those are why the lilies with the uh, exactly. <laughs> I know. Um, now, from, from your point of view, you know the plot. Did it? Did it come like naturally? Did you think actually? Did, did you like the fact that it tried to be a bit ambitious and go through other, you know, other themes and and look at actually the moral aspect of football hooliganism and, and that sort of things? Or did you think it was executed that badly? It actually hampered, you know, the, the actual plot itself. Well, I mean, I went in with zero expectations. I just <laughs> went in to watch this film and I had no idea what to expect or even like the broader context of soccer films. Right. So, so with that, I think I, I couldn't imagine a movie that's only about, soccer hooliganism i assume there would be mm-hmm. some overarching theme but i think that's what kind of pissed me off is the like the theme that they were going for felt one fell flat and feel felt mm-hmm. forced and then secondly even in the end like he ends up saying nope i don't regret it <laughs> and he just goes <laughs> yeah. and like what like you just got your ass kicked you're like life's been flashing before your eyes this other kid's going to die and you're still like, like, fuck it. I'm going for it. Like it. So that kind of pissed me off, like the ending. Um, and then I do think, um, I do think the, the granddads was like the one, like part of the movie that like, I actually felt invested in these gentlemen coming to the end of their life. That was the one thing that was kind of invested in. And then when the the other gentleman dies, I think I like out loud was like, oh shit. Like <laughs> give me give me a little something here. So um yeah, I just it, the plot was all over the place. Uh, it was. You, you, when you speak about the older guys in it, I've never seen an old person that looks so much like a, a baby, but it's still an <laughs> old man. He has like like you know, if you was to put an old man filter on a baby. That's exactly what he would look like. He wouldn't like it would be the same. You wouldn't know a filter was on, essentially. Totally. He, um, yeah, you know what, a, bit, 
Because I bet that we were on then too. When he was looking in Albert's case and he opened it up and it was just full of pot noodles and wine gums. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is all he's taking to Australia. This is what he, this is his life's worth. Because you can't get them anywhere else. It was the, the whole, like, I understand that they wanted to kind of give you the potential that Danny Dyer's character was going to get up sticks and leave and go to another part of the world and redeem himself. And that might be the ending. He gets on the plane, he goes for a better life and that's it. But actually it, it never went that way at all. It was just, it was, you, you had like these little snippets of genuine sincerity. Like when, um, like when is it Bill's character, he finds out that the, the firm leader's slagging him off. And he's like, he's dead down in the dumps. And he goes to his wife, his long-suffering wife, who he's probably knocked about, let's be honest, mm. as this film probably, you know, suggests he's that character. Um, and he's like, I'm, you see, I'm still all right, aren't you? Yeah, of course you are, babe. <laughs> like, there's a genuine, like, moments of sincerity there. But with absolutely no payoff. Like, no, nobody comes out of this smelling of roses. Um, it's just really strange. And I don't know what they were going for. Um, I don't know. I should be. I should be clear. Like I, I love, I actually maybe even prefer like a darker ending or like mm -hmm. an ending that's not, that's, that's closer to real life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, it feels like that's maybe what they were going for is like, the reality is this guy wasn't ever going to leave it. And he like yeah. loves the community and it is his community. But that would have been far more powerful to me. Like, yeah, I just watched this kid get shot. And that actually makes this more meaningful that I have a community and a people and a group that I'm connected to that, that gives me meaning, even if it's about nonsense. Right. And yeah. so I think that's where the fact that like the ending is so, it's so trite, his feeling like, yeah, I don't regret it. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Okay. It's, okay. I mean, to, to say I was taken out of it, the suspension of disbelief was a wrestling term, but um, the fact that, like, the vision that he has that eventually becomes Zebedee, he's already been shot when he's having these premonitions. <laughs> I'm just like, come on. Like, this is just like, this is lazy. Like, why would you know that he's been shot when you're having these, like, visions ahead? Unless you're claiming he's some kind of oracle and he knows this stuff ahead of time i don't know maybe he died in the during the fight and this is all some kind of post modern <laughs> nonsense i don't know um so from a plot point for me unfortunately it's got to be like a two because of actually the plot is is pretty really fun but ridiculous do i have any advances on two from you guys at all no not really i think because it's there's ideas there but not many <laughs> there's ideas there but it you can't say that what is the plot of this film it's the it's a snapshot of their life that's not a plot mm -hmm. that's just a fact so yeah mm -hmm. two i think it's fair yeah Mate, where are I you on this i gave it a two there we go scores on the board not particularly kind on there however the redemption the redemption we all wanted is your enjoyment of the film so Stu, talk me through did you uh, did you enjoy watching this film did you get enjoyment and pleasure from watching it and will you watch it again do you think in your lifetime of course i will because <laughs> <I did>. it's <laughs> it's so bad it's so bad i didn't remember it being as bad as it is 
Um, mm. from, from an actual film point of view, it's really, really bad. But I think this kind of, a lot of this comes back to how nostalgic it was. With the, mm-hmm. like I said about the, the Adidas poppers, the, the the joggers that every, everyone had them, um, people walking around with Hackett polo shirts, and um, like when he's mowing the grass and he's got that England England top on, every everyone had them at that time. And that I mean, even nasty Nick Bateman and Big Brother had an England shirt like that, <laughs> on a, in, that in two thousand. So everyone had them kind of things. The fact that it's been a lot of the locations, like I mentioned earlier, I've been to them anyway. And I've, at the time when I watched it, I didn't know people like this. And now I've kind of interacted with them, a few of them. And it's kind of adds that, like we said about the authenticity of, about it all. These people actually do exist and they don't care if they get beat up all the time because it's the mm-hmm. thriller that it's like, like when he said, Oh, it's, it's the thrill in the start where he's been, he's having his head kicked in on the floor. And he said, It's the thrill and the rush and all this stuff. And they're a bit tapped in the air, are they? When we all know this, <laughs> and like when the when the girls going past, it, you're not proper football fans, and which you hear every week anyway. As soon as someone does something bad, will I watch it again? I probably will watch it again, not for a long time, like. But and it's not it's not good enough to watch and recommend to anyone really. But just like certain things, like the little quote, "fat little cunt with his penned minge." <laughs> You don't hear that every every day, do you? It's it's, kind of, it's it's a quote from this and this alone, and from things like that, they got spot on. And I like Tamar Hassan. I like every pretty much everything he's been in, I've watched because he's just he seems like a decent guy. Um, so yeah, I did enjoy, it. and I can't give it a five, obviously, because that'd be silly. But I'll get I'll give it a four though because I did, I enjoyed it mm. for weird, perverse reasons. <laughs> A sucker for punishment, maybe. I mean, I can't say I didn't enjoy it. I, I you know, I, I text my mate and said, um, an absolutely terrible film that is absolutely brilliant at the same time. Yeah. I mean, there are some things that are so that are so laughably, unjustifiably bad. So in the fight scenes, there are more crash bang wallop sound effects than in like the <laughs> 50s version of the Batman. It's literally like kapows. You can hear physical kapows. <laughs> <laughs> which is just absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, actually, give me more of, like, the Danny Dyer voiceover stuff in this film, and it becomes even better, because he's, he's delivery. He is, he might not be a football, but he is a, you know, a cockney-wide boy, or he's whatever you want to call it. Like, he plays that character every day in everything that he's in. Probably a lot of it is him anyway. He's quite watchable and likable, I think, in a lot, Danny Dyer. Maybe in a Marmite way, I don't know, and I just I just like him, but um, there was definitely some entertainment value in it, but as a as a student of film, as somebody who has a degree in film, I can't praise it <laughs> in terms of it, its filmmaking. It's atrocious. Christ, it is, it is absolutely awful. But as an enjoyment piece, I did enjoy it, and I will watch it again at some point in my lifetime. So, yeah, four, probably, for <laughs> me as well. Um, Nate, what about yourself? Where does it rank in terms of enjoyment? Because... You obviously in your part of the world, this this nostalgia doesn't exist if you've not seen it before, um, and it doesn't hark back to a time of your life either in terms of like the clothes and and the music and that kind of thing. So, how did you enjoy this film? And and if, and if so, why? And if not, why not? I did not enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unfortunate because I think 
there's probably plenty of soccer films with more soccer authenticity and mm-hmm. whether it's the damn United or like, there's probably other films out there that would be, that I would have enjoyed far more. And I think there's a couple other things that it has going against it. Every year I try and watch all of the Oscar nominated films before the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And I have two left to watch. And I chose to watch the football factory <laughs> instead of two of the other ones. And so that also is part of what was pissing me off. And so, so I think of course I, I'll never watch it again. I'm like, thrilled to be a part of this community the the wolves fan cast and be a part of a film a film cast episode and it's a funny one to to jump into but to to its credit though i i did try and imagine like if i were a 14 year old boy in 2004 Mm -hmm. like and maybe that's like you were mentioning luke and some of the other guys like i imagine this being so quotable right and i think like and that just becoming a part of your vernacular. And I have movies like that, like Billy Madison to me is a movie that is probably horrible. If, uh, if someone like, yeah, maybe one of you watched it and had never seen Billy Madison before you may think it's atrocious, but to me, mm-hmm. I love it. Right. And I'll watch it multiple times. And so, um, so with all that being said, no, I did, I did not enjoy it um, much at all. What are we talking from a score? One or two? I would give it a two. That's mostly just my personality being really generous. That's fine. This is, hey, listen, this is good. This, this is our, our, um, our questioning reaches far and wide. So we have to ask, uh, you know, we have to get a, a wide net of, of opinions on this. So absolutely fair. Um, what I would recommend though, watching the business, if you can find it, um, okay. it's about, um, is it Marbella, Stu? I'm not sure yeah. where they are. Marbella, I think. Tama Hassan's in it. Danny Dyer's in it. And it's about the, drugs trade over in Marbella when um, Britons go abroad to basically run the club and drug scene. And it's, it's the same kind of stuff. It's funny and it's very, very like laddie laddie British, but I really like the business. I think it's a great film to be fair. And I think it's a much better film as well in terms of like uh, actual filmmaking, not filmmaking crisis. This isn't, you know, Schindler's list or, but it's, um, you know, it's just a better all round film anyway but um, the one thing i would add just kind of at the end is it does it does inspire me to think of i think there's it it did inspire me to think there there's probably a really powerful film out there about a firm like this and the layers whether it exists or should exist like it makes me wanting to see like a deeper dive into the psyche of what is it like to have like kind of grow up in this culture and mm-hmm. yeah, there's toxic masculinity, but why? Like what's broken yeah. on the inside that they're trying to achieve. I and- don't know if there is a film I can think of like that. Stu, I mean, go- goal. <laughs> no. <laughs> the id. Mm-hmm. ID. Yes. ID. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's about a fictional team. Is it Shagwell? <laughs> Shagwell. I, 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 I think I'm, it's just double check. I've got Shagwell in the in the back of my mind, and not for that sure reason, just a Friday night. Um, but it's it's about a, a guy who goes undercover in a firm, and he ends up like getting kind of pulled into it all. Id, let's have a look. ID, nineteen ninety five. It's basically Donny Brasco. 
in the mm. film. But... A little bit. Uh, Great. Not to find anything about it. But yeah, it's, it's got a 7.3 on IMDb, though. Yeah. So for the it's... source material, that's actually probably a rave review in itself um, based on kind of the subject matter. But um, Sean but yes, so... it as well. Okay. Well, if, um, listen, for those that are listening at home or you're listening after the fact, drop us a comment um, on this video uh, on YouTube or drop us a tweet or um, drop us a message um, and let us know what you thought of the film. And um, when we come to collate kind of all the scores and put it out on Twitter, we'll get kind of an audience reaction as well. Um, But listen, I want to thank you both for joining me this evening to talk through the Football Factory. I hope those of you listening and watching at home have enjoyed it. Back to our kind of usual programming next week with um, the Villa game. Um, if you like this kind of stuff, um, there's a plethora of content on the Wolves fan cast, including um, Gully's series, Gully's tactical analysis, which is an incredibly deep dive into the kind of tactics um, of, of our games. And he puts a lot of work and effort into the structure and, and actually how we play. It's very interesting um, watch and listen. So, so check that out. Um, Dan obviously has the previews. Um, prior to the game as well on YouTube, again, getting guests on and having um, a lot of um, input and, and predictions as to how we're going to do over the um, the course of the weekend or, or, or the games that we play. So there's loads and loads of content on the Fancast Network and we really appreciate you listening in or watching every week. Um, it is a pleasure to get this content out for you. So thank you very much to everybody at home. Um, Stu, thank you very much for joining one final question, though, before we go, and I can't go do a film cast episode without plugging our film-related podcast, Cage Fighting, answering the big questions in film. Um, if Nick Cage was to appear in this film and replace a cast member, who would Nick Cage be? Hmm. See, at this at this point, you'd kind of... I don't think it's possible. I think for the first time ever in, in the two years of cage fighting, there's your back catalog people. Um, I don't think it's possible to do it. You I don't I think can't... Nick Cage gets in this film in any capacity? I can't think of it. I can't think of any way you could put him that it would work. I mean, we know he's not great at accents anyway. Well, um, this is true. So unless you, unless he was in the bar and he, you kind of wrote apart for him as an eccentric American, like on a, on a gap year or something. Well, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking, actually, he ends up just getting beaten up for being this, like, obnoxious American that ends up getting involved, like, in a bar or something like that, making a load of noise. When those guys are talking during the um, the, the FA Cup draw, mm. he could have been shoehorned into that in some capacity. Now, are you, are you sticking Nick Cage in this film anywhere? Where are you putting him? Oh, man. Yeah, I think maybe you write him in as like a Liverpool fan, but because he's American, like wearing a Liverpool kit, walking around, like on vacation, thinks he's in the right spot at the right time. Like he's just walking around, totally oblivious to the whole world. (laughs) Yeah, just like completely does not a clue what's going on. Yeah, Yeah. that probably would would work. But, um, you know, so if you enjoy film chat, come check us out on um, Cage Fighting. Um, We don't just talk Nick uh, Cage, we do talk about film in general and answer. Um, silly and ridiculous questions each week, as you'll know if you are already a listener. But listen, for now, Stu, if you'd like to say goodbye. Goodbye. I'm not going to do what I normally do. But, so there's no quotes in this film that are anywhere suitable for this time of day or any time of day. So goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Enjoy the international now, break as much as you can, unless you're Italian. <laughs> oh, my Karma. Man.
Um, and Nate, if you'd like to say goodbye. Goodbye. And uh, from me, Matt, take it easy, everybody. Have a great weekend. <laughs> it would be a Wolves fan, eh? On goes Paul. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a goal! When you're drinking a frozen beverage from McDonald's, your brain may not like how refreshingly cold it is, but the rest of your body, oh yes, it's gonna relish every moment of it because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Get all the chill you need for just $1.69 from any size frozen drink, like a frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry, to a new ice cold lemonade. Prices and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.